and welcome to another episode of Bat Books for Beginners. I am your host, John, and this episode we're taking a look at part one of Robin, Home and Back. This covers issues 56 to 59 of the Robin series and was released between August and December 1998. It features writing by Chuck Dixon and art by Snaz Johnson. It's not been released as a paperback, as far as I can tell, but once again, like everything else, is always available on eBay or on Amazon uh, or Comic Book Store. So, I was pretty damning about Catwoman last episode. Let's hope that this one doesn't have me wanting to put this little bird down. Let's find out as we delve into Robin Home and Back Part 1. You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. We open with gunmen practicing being intimidating for Cluemaster, who did escape at the end of Robin, issue 55, which we covered in Batman Aftershock. Cluemaster and Dragon Cat, his partner, discuss the heist they plan to pull off using the hired goons, ending with an infamous what could go wrong comment. We then cut to Robin and Spoiler taking out some goons robbing a store. They take them out and Spoiler takes two soda cans, however Robin forces her to pay for them. Robin drives home and they discuss Huntress and the issues that Helena is having at the moment. Steph kisses him and heads home, which makes Tim mope and sigh. He does, however, at school, arrange to meet with Ariana at 6 o'clock in the evening. We then move back to Cluemaster, who narrates about how to rob a bank, whilst we see pictures of the robbery taking place. However, when it finishes, it is clear from the bandages on the gang that the robbery did not go very well. We then move back to Tim and Ariana on their date, which goes well. However, once he leaves, he dresses as Robin and meets Spoiler. He says to her that all they can be is friends, and that they can't know each other's secrets, and she especially can't know any of Batman's. However, it ends with Tim and Steph kissing. So, Tim decides to do the right thing and break up with Ariana. But, fortunately for him... She makes it easy by breaking up with him first. We then move to Robin and Spoiler dressed in their costumes, going to watch a sci-fi movie, where a number of people are also dressed in costumes, allowing them to blend in. Meanwhile, Clue Master eliminates the goons who manage to get themselves caught by the police. However, it transpires that Clue Master only wanted them scared, and that Dragon Cat decided that they were going to die. However, he's made a mistake, and one of them has survived. The goon gives away the location, and we see the police break into the Clue Master's hideouts. They are jumped by Dragon Cat, who initially makes short work of the police, until Shotgun, the cop who has been one of the mainstays of the series, gets involved and easily takes him down. We then move back to Robin's spoiler a week later. Robin arrives at Steph's house asking where she's been and why she's not out when she drops the bombshell. She's pregnant. Robin and Spoiler discuss it, Steph reassuring Robin it is not his. However, he says that he will be there for Steph and will support her. 
We then move to the Batcave, where Bruce is outlying who has still escaped them, and they decide that they're going to go after Cluemaster. Bruce out on the street, and Tim using the internet. Meanwhile, a few kids come across a mutant eating the duck, which scares them. We then move back to Steph, who has a meeting with the social services. However, it doesn't go well, as she feels that the counsellor is pushing her towards having an abortion. We then move back to Robin, who looks for the monster, after talking to his friends about it, who were the ones to run away. However, Robin's friends return to the scene, ruining his chances of finding any information. We then return back to Steph, who then refuses to have the baby adopted, disliking the adoption agency's tone. Robin and Steph talk again, and he encourages her to go and speak to her mother. We then return to Robin's friends, who once again try to return to the scene where they saw the mutant. This time, they're planning to get video footage, which they hope they can sell to a TV show. What they do, however, succeed in being is caught and trapped, rather than getting any of the video footage. Robin arrives, only to discover that the monster is none other than Steel Jacket. Robin and Steel Jacket fight. Eventually, Tim gains the upper hand, but Steel Jacket, in one last move, pulls Robin down into a chasm with him. However, when they land, both arriving fine because the drop is very short, Robin is able to use the fact that Steel Jacket has hollow bones and was trying to become a bird to take him down. Whilst this is happening, Steph and her mother sit down and have a discussion, with her mum blaming herself for Steph having a baby. However, Steph's mother does say that she is very proud of her. Robin calls Spoiler again and they chat. However, Spoiler asks if Robin can take her to birthing classing, causing Robin a lot of shock. And then moves to Tim at school. He fakes an injury and uses it as an excuse to hang with his friends as they make their way around a running track. However, one of them is taken off by two school bullies. Just after lunch, Tim is called into the principal office to be informed that the boy is dead and that the principal wants to know who the boys were that the kid went off with. Tim gives them the boy's name, reacting angrily when his friend asks why he would do that. And the issue ends with Tim thinking that Robin would have been able to stop them rather than Tim. It's excellent. It's really, really, really good. Not a lot happens, I'm going to be honest. It really doesn't have that much action or excitement. But that doesn't necessarily matter. Because really this couple of issues haven't been about big action scenes or anything that we really need to see. We've had some action happen, but we've not had it be the main focus. In fact, the main focus is Tim. And it's Tim's emotion, and it's Tim's relations with other characters. This is very much story-driven and character-driven, rather than action-driven. Or, as we saw last week, driven by complete nonsense. I think that Chuck Dixon really, really understands his character. Yes, Chuck Dixon created him, but he's just inside Tim Drake's head in such a way that we really feel sympathetic towards him and we're engaged and we want to be drawn along by his storylines perhaps the only small quibble that i would have is that not that much was made of tim's breakup with ariana they've been together for a while 
even though Tim had decided that it was time to move on and perhaps pursue a relationship with Steph, it would have been nice if we perhaps would have got a bit more of an emotional scene and a bit more information and a bit more storyline of him sort of dealing with that. However, I can understand why that was cut. The scenes with Steph are excellent and it really furthers their relationship. It's not just a friends or make-out buddies. This is actually starting to feel like a relationship would properly develop. Tim, although he's not the father of Steph's child, really wants to take responsibility and really wants to be there and help her and support her through this time which is a quality of a good friend, but also of somebody who could be potentially excellent boyfriend material. And that's something that I really like. Again, it comes back to this whole factor that Chuck Dixon can really get under the skin of characters. As I've said numerous times, when Chuck Dixon gets it right, he really, really gets it right. The art as well, I thought, was very good. Staz Johnson is a very safe pair of hands to put any kind of artwork in. We don't get any real cheesecake like we did in the Catwoman story at all. What we got here, again, was Staz Johnson showing a lot of emotion all the way through in his artwork, in his drawings, and a lot of concern and worry on the face of Steph, which can be a little bit disjointed or distracting if it's drawn badly. However, in this comic, I thought it was done particularly well. I really, really enjoyed it. I think Stas Johnson is a very talented artist. We're still in the period after Aftershock, when we're heading towards No Man's Land. So when they were out and about, we saw ruined bits of Gotham. We saw Gotham trying to rebuild itself which I think was really, really nice and really, really interesting to see. Overall, I highly, highly recommend this issue. I think it is absolutely fantastic, without a shadow of doubt. I would recommend, certainly, that you pick up these issues, and I'm hoping that part two of Home and Back is just as good, because if it is, this might be one of my favourite comics that I've reviewed so far. So I'm going to give this... Part 1, 5 out of 5 Batarangs. Pick it up, pick it up now. So that's my review of Robin, Home and Back Again Part 1. Next episode we're going to be taking a look at Robin, Home and Back Again Part 2. This will cover issue 60, 61, 65 and 66, as well as the Secret Files and Origins story. So be looking out for that. That's everything for this episode. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Always really appreciate it. And now I'll hand you back over to Dustin and the guys. (laughs) 